the whole chapter, you would see name after name of individuals who did incredible things uh, throughout time. And since we do have some that are standing, let's let's just all join them. I know um, it's somewhat our tradition to just stand for the reading of the word. Let's go ahead and do that. We're just going to read one verse in verse number 23, and then you could be seated today. It says that by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. I just want to speak for a few moments here today on this title, A Heritage of Faith. A Heritage of Faith. Amen. I spoke last week on the family and we're going to kind of continue in that same vein here today about passing on a heritage of faith, not just uh, not just to your children, but uh, let's let's build another generation beyond us. Amen. Let's pass on this faith to another generation. Let's pass it on to somebody that will come up behind us. Amen. I believe uh, what what Peter or what Jesus uh, said to Peter and to the apostles, uh, disciples there when he told them that the gates of hell shall not prevail. He was. Uh, we, we kind of take that sometimes as as uh, meaning that there would be, uh, you know, the fights of the enemy that's not going to ever prevail against us. And I believe that to be true. But the words that he was speaking that day was uh, really in the context of this is going to last from generation to generation. That the church will, come on, it will go from one generation to the next. That this is not going to be something that's just short-lived. This is not going to be something that's going to die off when he said the gates of hell he was using the word uh, that he is that they use for the place of rest or the place where the dead are resting and he said when the this generation dies off and the gates of hell open up or the place of rest opens up for them to go into later rest it's not going to stop the church because we're going to see this pass from generation to generation because a heritage is going to uh, to take place here within my church. Amen. Amen. If you could, before you're seated, let's just lift up our hands one more time. I just want to ask the Lord to speak to us here today in this service. Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, that we could come into this place and allow your spirit to rest upon us, God, and to speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would let something become alive in us today. Lord, that this word would inspire us, Lord, to uh, to pass on, Lord, to another generation that which you have done in us and through us. Lord, we are so thankful for the changes that have been made in us, Lord, the stories to tell. Lord, let us, God, not hold it for ourselves, but to see another generation come, Lord, that could pass this on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated one more time here today. believe that from the time that children graduate from our early elementary Sunday school class here in this church, at least that's what we call it, that the, they become familiar with that story of Moses. And I understand that not everyone here has, was raised uh, with, with the Bible, was not raised in a Sunday school class. So I'll tell you just a little bit about this story of Moses uh, as and, and we've seen it in the, the children's books. We've seen it 
uh, growing up in a children's Bible about that little baby that was born and his mother then places him in this basket and that basket then is going and it's hidden in the bulrushes in the Nile River and they, they allow it to begin to float down that river. The reason that this was done, the reason that, uh, that uh, Moses' mother placed him as a little baby uh, inside of a basket that could float down the river was because of a decree that had gone out by Pharaoh, the man who was the ruler of the place where they lived. And Pharaoh had declared that every child would be killed or must be killed or every male child must be put to death. And so it says in that scripture that we read in Hebrews that it was by faith that they hid Moses in the bulrushes, that they put him there in that basket. And we see in the story that that uh, Moses' mother, her, her name was Jochebed. We see that Jochebed, she, she got her young daughter, Miriam, to go and to keep an eye on this baby. She said, I want you to go and, and, I, and just follow this baby down the river. I, I, I want you to, to see what's going to happen to him. And so as this young girl is going and, and seeing this, 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 uh, this thing, just this little ark, this little uh, bed that's for the baby, just float down the river, uh, it, it eventually comes to rest right there at the Pharaoh's palace. And out. Out just cleaning herself and, and, and taking a dip out in the river is the daughter of Pharaoh. And on that day, she begins to hear a little voice that's crying out, this little baby cry, unmistakable. And she goes and she asks somebody, would you go and check that out? And they bring this little, this, this basket to her that has this baby inside of it. And this daughter of Pharaoh, she takes in this little Hebrew baby as her own son. See, what's missing from this story, perhaps, that we, we hear in the Sunday school class is that, is that there was not just the fact that, that uh, Pharaoh's daughter took her in as her son, but she did something that was rather incredible. She, said, she realized, I'm not going to be able... To care for this child. They didn't have the formula and the, the different uh, ways. that they, they, had to, uh, they had to have a, a mother that had just given birth that would take care of a child. And she realizes, I need somebody that can do this. And so she begins to look around and she notices that there's a little girl that was there. And she, she sees her and she recognizes this as a little Hebrew girl. And so, so she asked this little girl to come over close and, and she says, I want you to go and would you, uh, would you go and find somebody who could take care of this little baby? Amen. This is God's hand already at work here. This is the, this is the daughter. This is the, the, the sister of Moses that is being told to go and to find a Hebrew mother that can care for this child. And so, of course, she goes back home and she, she elatedly tells her mother that, that this, that what, uh, the details of what had just happened. And, and she says that, I know God is making it possible for you to raise your son. 
And so this is what happens. The baby is reunited with her, her, his mother and, and she, Jochebed, is able to raise her child that, that Moses, even though the decree had went out from Pharaoh that every child had to be killed. It was, uh, it was, it was, God made it possible for Jochebed to raise Moses from a very early age, from this, uh, baby. She had hid him. She had hid him for three months. And yet, uh, after three months, it got a little impossible. Uh, if you have a little baby, you can understand why that was impossible. For eventually, that baby was going to be found out. But, but she hid him for three months. But now from uh, she's able to continue raising this child. And God made it possible for them, uh, for her to raise this child. And so, she, this Moses is raised in both the household of the Hebrews... As well as the household of the Egyptians. He goes back and forth from Pharaoh's household to his parents' house. We see that there are, that God is raising him up for a particular purpose and a particular uh, to be a, a man that would be able to lead God's people, that would have the knowledge that it took to lead a whole nation across a wilderness and into their promised land. God, by placing him in Pharaoh's palace, is placing uh, the battle strategies in his mind and, and teaching him all these battle strategies and how to care for a nation. And he's being taught as the prince of Egypt how to do all of that, but yet in his home, in his in his in his mother's home, she is raising him to worship God. They're telling him the gods that you see there in, in Pharaoh's household, they are false gods. That they have no power. That there is nothing in them that, that is really true. And, and if you would, just, just hold on to your faith in God. Hold on to this that, we are, that I'm telling you. And I know that when you look at us, we don't look like much. I know when you see... Us and our people, we're, we're slaves. We're here, we have taskmasters over us. And as the ones who are the, the they have taskmasters over them, on a, if, you, if you go back to, to this, uh, this, this decree that, that went out by Pharaoh, he was, he was noticing, it tells us that it was the Pharaoh that came in charge. The, it, was, it was a man that um, knew not Joseph. A man that he began to look around and see Joseph was a man, a Hebrew, that he was the whole reason that all these Israelites ended up in Egypt. Because he himself, being a Hebrew, had saved Egypt. And so the Pharaoh long ago had invited them in to live there in, in their land. And yet it says that another Pharaoh uh, comes in and, and, and they believe that this is probably not just the son of the one, but it's a whole another reigning family, another family of Pharaohs that come into power. And as they come into power, this Pharaoh, he comes and he begins to look around and he says, my, my, these people far outnumber us. God has blessed them tremendously. God has tremendously, uh, you know, allowed them to, or, or I don't know if he's 
If he's crediting God for this, he's, he's, he's just noticing, you know, that, that they are multiplying beyond number and, and their families keep growing larger and larger. And, and if they just realize that, they could take us over. And so he begins to try to, uh, to, to he puts them into slavery and he's trying to, to make it so that they, uh, that they don't want to live there anymore. And eventually hit what he was trying to do. He, uh, he, he says, all right, this isn't working. This is, they're still multiplying. They're still growing. So he gets word out to the midwives. What does he say to the midwives? He tells them, I want you to take these babies as they're being born. And I want you to kill each and every baby. Tells us about these, these midwives that, uh, what they did. It's in Exodus chapter one. I'm sorry. The Hayden, I'm skipping over a whole bunch of verses for you. But if you can go to Exodus chapter 1, verse number 15, it tells us that the king of Egypt, he spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, the name of the other was Puah. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and you see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Pharaoh, he's saying, when this baby is born among the Hebrews, if it's a girl, I want you to let it live. If it's a boy, I want you need to kill it. According to these instructions, they were to watch closely as each Hebrew child was born. And if it was a boy that they were, they were to snuff that, that boy out they were, before it could utter its first cry. And, and the midwife could say to the mother, I'm sorry, but the child didn't live. It's this hideous idea that Pharaoh is trying to get them to do these these midwives is trying to get them really to commit abortion there at the time of birth and, and, and to, to tell these mothers, I'm sorry, but this was a stillbirth that took place. And, and it's hardly really different even from today, the, the abortions that even take place modern day. But Pharaoh's plans, they came to nothing as we read in verse 17, if we continue reading there. It says that the midwives, they feared God. And they did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. But they saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt, he called for the midwives and he said to them, Why have you done this thing? And you have saved the men children alive. The midwives, they said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively. They're delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. And therefore God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and waxed very mighty and it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses these daring daring women lived out their faith where God had placed them I want you to I want you to just begin to see this not every not everybody's ministry looks the same not everybody not, not everybody as they follow and they walk in faith does it look the same God had placed these women there as midwives. And God has a whole bunch of people that he has placed there in a job, in a workplace for a reason. There's a whole lot of people I'm talking to right now that God has placed you there for a reason. And as he placed them there, they served God well in the place where he put them. In the place where they were as, as midwives, they said, we're going to do everything we can to honor God in the place that we are at. Well, if, if we can get a hold of this, the fact that, 
the fact that serving God and ministry doesn't all, it doesn't happen, uh, really, the majority of ministry should happen outside of here on a Sunday. That real ministry, it happens where we are at in our workplace. It happens where you're at on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and throughout the week. That's where ministry really happens. And we need to be as the midwives were, as, as, as they're being used in their vocation. They're doing it unto God's glory. They're saying, we're going to continue to serve God right where he has placed us. And what they did... It was, I would say, very daring, but it wasn't dramatic. You don't hear much about the midwives of the, of the, uh, that were there in Egypt being the ones that are the heroes of the story. But when you begin to really look at it, what heroes they were, it revealed a faith that they said, I will not disobey God. They're coming in and they're saying, come on, this child that's being born, I'm going to go and I, I'm not going to obey what the man has said. I'm not going to obey them, but, but rather I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that this, that God's people are going to survive another generation. We're not going to kill off another generation. We're, we're going to let another generation, in fact, we're not just let it, but we are going to play a part in another generation coming up. We've got to be, we've got to be intentional about another generation coming up beyond us. We must be intentional about living for God in a way that says those that come behind me, they see the way that I live for God and I pour and I invest myself into them and I walk by faith so that they learn to walk by faith. Come on, we need to pat, this is what this whole heritage of faith is about, is when I walk by faith, I do it in, in sight of those beyond me. And maybe you're beyond having a child in your home, but that doesn't stop you today from raising up another generation that's going to come up behind you and to say, I want you to see how I walk by faith and I want you to come alongside me and we're going to do this together. Come on out and take somebody else on the journey with you and to say another generation is going to come up alongside me that's going to go and they're going to pass this on to another generation and as we walk by faith come on this is not going to stop with me but because of what I've done it's going to be go to the next generation and then the next generation the next generation these women they dared to live out their faith and they dared to say We're going to let another generation come that's going to be able to worship God and begin to pass this on and to see God's lineage continue. See, the Jewish rabbis, they understand the term that that was written here in Exodus that says that God made them houses. The Jewish rabbis understand that term made them houses to mean that God made them priestly and Levitical houses. That out of the households of Shifra and Pua came royal households in the kingdom of God. That they raised up mighty houses that, that made an impact on, uh, on, on the people and on God's kingdom for generations to come. Can I just tell you that when you obey God rather than man, you will receive a reward for it. That reward, it may or may not 
be here on this earth, but you will receive a reward for your faith, for walking by faith, for continuing to, to pursue God in, in, in the midst of, of trial and tribulation, for walking by faith. Even when things don't make sense, I continue to walk by faith. Even when God comes and he corrects me, I go and I walk by faith. And I say, God, I receive your correction and I'm going to go and to continue to pursue you and to walk by faith. God, even when my life is falling apart, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm not going to give up. Even when somebody is enticing me, come on with the things that would say, come on, you don't really have to be so sold out. I'm going to walk by faith and I am going to be sold out for what God has done for me. I'm going to be sold out for the kingdom of God I will walk by faith and when you do that there's a reward for it there's a reward for those who would walk by faith see was Pharaoh finally in complete desperation after these midwives and and I don't know exactly how they did it they they said it as they were communicating this back to Pharaoh they said, these, these women, they're, they're just having, having their babies before we can even get there. You told us to kill the babies as they're being born, but they're having the babies before we get there. And I don't know if they just held back. They put somebody else in charge uh, so that they could tell Pharaoh uh, that story. But whatever it was, they were able to make another generation be able to be born. And so Pharaoh finally gets sick of it. And he, he says, we're going to go about this a different way. Try the underhanded manner. I'm going to just come out, demand openly. And it says in verse 22 that he charged all his people. Saying that every son that's born, you're going to cast him into the river. And every daughter you shall save alive. So we see these circumstances here that are surrounding the birth of Moses. Now I just want to examine here for just a few minutes. How Moses' mother, Jochebed. How she passed on a heritage of faith to her son. There's, there's two principles, and there's there's one uh, application that I just want to just want to bring out from what Jochebed did to, uh, to to raise her son to pass on a heritage of faith. The first principle of faith is that faith does not demand that we act foolishly. So in Exodus chapter two. Verse 1 that it says, there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. When she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. In this terrible time, a child is born to a godly godly couple of the tribe of Levi. When the parents looked at this newborn child, Scripture says that they saw that he was a beautiful child, a goodly child. Now, I don't believe that his parents were impressed merely with his physical beauty. I mean, every, every parent looks at their child and it's like, my goodness, what an incredible gift and how beautiful they are and you know, the cutest little thing that you've ever seen. But I don't believe that it was just the fact of the physical beauty that they saw, but they were looking beyond that and they could see God has a special purpose for this child. I wish, I wish that we could see that, not just in our young children that we're raising up, but that we could see that in those that we see as the new children of God that would come in, come on, as somebody and we could look at them and say, come on, there's a, there's a special purpose for this one. There's a special purpose that's, God has a plan for this one here. 
God has a plan. Come on, maybe it is in your family and you have some children right now. I don't want you to, to look at them and to say, come on, they don't have anything good to offer the kingdom of God. Come on, let's look at them. God has something special with this one here. And let's tell them. Come on, let's encourage them. God, God has a plan for your life. Come on, I don't know what it is right now, but we're going to continue to walk by faith. We're going to continue to pursue the call of God. Come on, I want somebody to begin to see others with a different eye. To see others with the eyes that Moses' parents had for him as they looked on him and said, this is a good one here. This is one that has a purpose on his life. This is one, come on, that he's going to make an impact on those around him. This is one that's not just going to be sitting on a pew and just filling space. But this is somebody who's going to make a difference. Come on, this is somebody who we're going to make sure doesn't walk out the door five months, no, two months after they came in. But that we're going to make sure that they last. Come on, it says that they hid him for three months. They hid this baby for three months and, and they did that. But they continued after that to say, come on, we know that God has a purpose and a plan for this child. He's a good one. He's a keeper. Come on, let's, uh, let's let us have the same passion and the same view as we see others that come into the church. And you're the one that's bringing them in and saying, come on, I know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. If you see somebody who used to sit next to you and you haven't seen them for a couple of weeks, call them up. See where they're at. Come on, why? Because God has a purpose and a plan for their life. God has a plan. If you're here today and it's just been, come on. A, a few weeks that you've been here, I want you to know God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Come on, this right here is the best place that you could be as we begin to see, come on, that I am not who my past says I am, but I am a new creation that God can begin to take my past and shape it come on in such a way that I can go and make an impact on the next, on another generation and another generation. And God, come on, has great things in store for you. I, I just love what the, the, the viewpoint that they had. Come on, they could have been like, uh, they could have just uh, uh, saw the facts that, that kind of surrounded the circumstances that, you know, this child, he's doomed. You look around today and you might think that, but the Caleb we know our, these, these students that they're going into to, a high, to high schools and middle schools and even elementary schools that are full, come on, of sin and full of things that would entice them away from the church. And you go off to college and it's, it's disheartening. It's, it's heartbreaking to see how many people, how many young people who were raised in the church and they go off to a college and then they walk away. And you could just say, you know what, I'm resigned to the fact that this child is going to go into the river. I said, no, <laughs> this child is meant for something special. I'm going to make sure that this heritage of faith is going to be passed down to another generation. I'm going to make sure that another one, come on, comes up beside me and they see that God is going to do something special, that God has a purpose and a plan. Come on, you, you know, you know that, that they weren't the only ones because there was a generation that did come up and came out of Egypt. Forty years later, there were other others, uh, you know, alongside Moses. There were other men. There were other there were others that that came and 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 they 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 left Egypt and they went into the Promised Land. So it wasn't just Jochebed, but there were mothers there in Egypt who they said, "Let's come on, look at our children with 
with God's eyes and say, we're going to do everything we can to save them. Amen. We have perhaps often seen depictions of the fear of the parents of Moses's of Moses upon the uh, the birth of Moses, and you know, such as I'm sure true with all those parents as they would have a, a, a male child at that time that there was some fear. I remember that myself, having children today and uh, or having children in this this day and age, and and thinking how can I raise a child in this environment today? How can I raise them to, to, to help them to, to hold the truth? And, and here's what we do. We, we must uh, have, have a conversation often. We must continue to let faith come on be a topic of conversation. We must talk about it as often as possible. We must raise them in an environment that is conducive to them. Come on, being uh, con- continuing in the word and continuing in their walk with God. It's, it's about us. Come on, not, not just allowing them to go into the hands of the world but to say this is the way that that god has kept us and this is the way that we can we're going to make an impact in this world and this is come on we're gonna we're gonna stick to this and we're going to to believe that god's word is true and you may look around and you may see others that are going to walk away but we're not going to walk away we're not going to walk away it was in hebrews we read it by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months of his parents. It was by faith that they did it. By faith, Amram, who was his father, and Jochebed, they had a deep and abiding faith in God. This verse says that they hid their child because they were not afraid of the king's command. Going back to this principle that I had stated, which is that faith doesn't demand that we act foolishly. Just because they had faith... That God was, uh, was going to, to, to save them and they, they didn't fear the hand of Pharaoh doesn't mean that they just went out in public and paraded him around everywhere. Just because you have faith in God, just because we have faith doesn't, doesn't mean that we act foolishly and, and we go and we just, uh, you know, just allow no, I have faith that my children, this next generation, is going to, to make an impact. That doesn't mean that I just allow them to go into the world without my hand guiding them along the way. When you have faith that the one who comes in into the church and they're a new disciple, and, and you believe God has something special in store for them, and you, you believe that in faith, doesn't mean that you then just, just take a hands-off approach and say they're going to find their way along. No, when we walk and we do this in faith, that means I'm going to be right there with you. And I believe that there is something special. And so I'm not going to act foolishly and just allow you to go and to be enticed by all the things of the world and to see, come on, that there are hard times in this walk with God that we're going to have to get through. But I can tell you, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be, come on. And then we begin to tell them and to tell them the stories of how God has been there for us. Come on, there's some times where it seems as if we're searching for God, but there's other times when I should have been lost and 
and gone a long time ago. And God came in and he swooped in and he gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. And I can tell you that those times far outweigh the times when I was searching for God and I couldn't find him because God is so good to me. God is so good to me and I don't deserve, come on, his goodness. I really don't deserve the goodness of God. And you begin to tell somebody and encourage them along the way. And we don't act foolishly, you know, just believing that this person's going to make a difference in, in the in, in the church and in the kingdom of God. And then we just act foolishly and say, all right, now find your way. Rather, we come alongside and we say, let me be with you. I'm going to be with you every chance that I can to, to, to help you along this path, to help you through the ups and the downs on this. This is how we begin to build a heritage of faith. Man, there they are. They're hiding that baby for three months. They're hiding it for three months, and then eventually it gets to where they can't hide him anymore. And so they go and they place him in that river. And what an act of faith. I believe that it was, it was probably pretty intentional about the timing in which they did that. Perhaps it was just, you know, God's God's will. But I would say that they probably acted out of of, of the timing that and, and in faith, believing that that this is this is a plan that we can set in motion that this Pharaoh's daughter might find this baby and have compassion on him. And so they acted by faith and and they, they began to walk by faith and, and they weren't doing it in a way that's that is just, a, a, you know, not uh, not common sense or not not doing things in a way that's going to uh, allow that generation or allow the one we're investing in to uh, to be have that uh, that chance and that opportunity to continue on. Amen. The second principle, second principle that we see about faith is that faith does not mean that we do not have to plan. This is in Exodus chapter two, verse three. It says that when she could not longer hide him, she took. For him an ark of bulrushes. She daubed it with slime and with with pitch. She put the child therein. She laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Maybe like myself as I envision Jochebed just, just, you know, there laying him wherever. But I believe it was with that plan and with that purpose of saying, all right, this is how we're going to do it. And we got to have a plan. We got to have some intentional purpose about investing in the next generation. Well, this is this message today is 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 imploring you to say, "Come on, let's not let this let's not let this uh, walk of faith stop with me." And maybe for you today, as, as if you have a family that you're raising, come on, let's, let's make it a purpose. Let's not allow this to stop with me. I'm going to pass this on to my children that I'm raising in my home. I'm going to, I'm going to raise them in truth. I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that they, that they walk this walk with God. Come on, for the rest of their life. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that they get this walk of faith for themselves. I can't do it for them, but they've got to, they've got to catch on but for those of you today that it's not possible for you in, anymore to, 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 to 
guide your children in the same way you did when they were in their home. I want you to take it upon yourself to say, I'm going to see another generation. Whether it's my family or not, I'm going to see another generation that's going to come up behind me. I'm going to see another generation that I'm going to pour into. And we're going to see, come on, somebody else that's going to be impacted by the fact that I am walking by faith and I want somebody else to take the same walk that I am. Come on, I want them to have the same change that, that God you know, did in my life. When he changed my life and he made it, come on, completely, completely new and completely different. Come on, you have a testimony to share. Is there somebody in here who has a testimony to share about what God's done for them? You have a testimony to say, God changed my life for the better. Come on, if you knew where I could be today, come on, I, come on, I could be out and I could be laying in a grave. Come on, because of the path that I was on. But God came in and He changed my life. Come on, you have a testimony that you can share with somebody today and you can tell them. Come on, and when you begin to tell them about the testimony, it might spark something in them to say, Hey, if He did it for you, He can do it for me. If He did it for you i can i can see come on that i need some changes in my life as well come on you begin to pass on a heritage don't then just leave them at that but let's go come alongside them and let's pass on a heritage there's a plan we need to we need to have a plan it's and it's not about come on being all sales pitchy and trying to come on with our with with some uh, lines that we we come up with but it's just telling the truth of what god has done just telling the truth of, of our testimony and telling them what God has done for me and what God is doing for me. Oh, we're all disciples. We all still make mistakes, but God has grace. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful that he's still teaching me and I'm learning from his word. And I'm thankful that he's still guiding me. And I can still tell somebody about what God did for me yesterday. And he can do it for you. If he changed me and he's changing me today, he can change you too in little ways here and there. Come on, as we try to draw closer to God. Amen. I said that we had some application from this. And I believe that faith does not happen by accident. Verse 9, it continues the story with, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away, nurse it for me, and I will give you wages. And the woman took the child, and she nursed it. The princess, without realizing it, hired the baby's own mother to nurse and raise him. Jacobed not only got her child back, but she got the protection of Pharaoh's daughter and got paid to raise her own child. And this cannot be anything except for the hand of God. Jochebed had Moses under her care until he was weaned and beyond, uh, even beyond he was, when he was weaned and he was growing. However long this might have been, it was long enough for the mother of Moses to firmly lay a foundation of belief in God. So there are today close to 6 million Americans that will take a life-changing experience this next year. They will have children. And how they raise these children will have a greater impact on our society than anything else that they do in life. I just want to say a word today to the mothers of young children here today. What would you do if you knew that everything that your child might know about God, they would learn from you? I say to fathers here today, what if this was compounded by the, by the knowledge that in all likeliness you would not have very much time to accomplish this. What would you do? 
If you didn't have very much time to accomplish the fact that everything that they learned from God is going to come from you. What would you tell your child about? What would you do for the next generation that's coming? If it's you today, and you don't have a young child that's in your household, but you have another generation that you want to raise up, what will you do with the little time that we have? What will you do with the little time that you have to share what God's done for you and what he can do in their life? What will you do with a little bit of time? It tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. It says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt walk of them, or thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Well, you will look for every opportunity to show them your faith. You would look for every opportunity. He's saying, come on, how often do I teach my children the principles of faith? I do it when I when they raise up and when they lie down to bed. I do it when they're sitting at the table to eat. And I do it when they're going to go out the door to the uh, to go, go in their day. I'm going to do it every opportunity that I can. I'm going to teach them to walk my faith. I'm going to teach them that this is how we live for God. I'm going to take every little opportunity that I have to pour what I've learned about walking with God, about my passion to to continue to live for God. I'm going to pour it into those that are around me. How do you pass on your faith to your children? How do you pass on your faith to the next generation? Proverbs 22 verse 6 offers instruction. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. But what do these words mean? What do those words mean to train up a child? The first, the, the, that word, that verse train, it comes from a Hebrew word that's used to describe the actions of a midwife. After she helped deliver a child, she would then dip her finger in crushed dates and reach into the mouth of the infant and massage his gums. The flavor sensation of the dates would create in the infant a desire to nurse. And so the term train literally means in the Hebrew to create a thirst in. No, I'm kind of just teaching a little bit here today, kind of treaching. But it created a thirst in that child from an early age. We're coming to a close here soon. When in the brief time that Jochebed had with Moses, she created in him a desire for the things of God. Something that he would never get over. He could be raised in Pharaoh's palace, but he had a thirst and a hunger and desire for God. When he got older, he still had a desire for God. Nobody takes the place of that young child's mother. Nobody takes the place of that young child's mother. Parents, the best thing that you can do is to give your children, uh, to, to give them is not the, not the possessions. It's not a good education. It's not, it's not anything in this world, but it is a faith that leads them to thirst and to use the God-given gifts and abilities to accomplish God's purpose in their life. That's the best thing that we can do. Is to train them to have a thirst and a hunger for God. And it was not only Moses who Jacob had raised to be a God-fearing individual. A man who would eventually become the voice of God to an entire generation. But she also raised uh, her, her other children, Miriam and, and Aaron, uh, being the middle child. He would eventually become the high priest of Israel. Then the, the youngest being Moses. And she raised them to have a thirst and a hunger for God. This mother, Jacobin, 
was a woman full of faith. She had enough faith to believe that by saving her child, perhaps she was saving an entire generation. The fact that her three children were born in, in a slave hut back in Egypt, they eventually would become the ones who would save an entire generation. Come on. You look around you today. Look around you today and you may see somebody who looks as if they were born in a slave hut. May look like to themselves even that they don't have much potential. I want us to begin to see the potential that God sees in them. Oh, we have some babies here today. We have somebody, come on, that's not even yet in the church. We have somebody today that they need, they need a, a generation right now that will begin to pour into the next generation. How to, no, this is how we walk by faith. This is how, come on, we do this journey with God. And you, let me, let me create a little thirst in you. Let me create just a little bit of thirst and a hunger and, you know, and a desire for the things of God. And as you do that, you train up that child in the way that they should go and that thirst and that hunger for God will never depart. Jochebed was creating a thirst and a hunger for God. Why could there be somebody here today who you, you look and you say, I have a responsibility upon me to pass on a heritage of faith. I have a responsibility. It doesn't matter how young or old you are right now. We all have a responsibility to take somebody to show them, and to lead them, and to nurture them, and to bring them up, and, and to say, I'm not going to let this die off with me. There's going to be another generation that comes beyond me. Come on, there's, there's young families today. I want, I want you to do everything that you can with the little time that you have to invest in those children. Those couple of years that we are blessed with, Come on, do everything that you can to pour hunger, to, 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 to create a hunger for God in them. Do everything that you can. Come on, could we stand up, stand up all over in this place? Come on, could you create a hunger for God and those that you have that, this little bit of time right now to invest in them? For those maybe even around you in your workplace, come on, and you've been trying, come on, to, uh, to disciple them, or you've seen some opportunities that, that there's a hunger for God in them. Come on, and you have that opportunity right now even to invest yourself and to put it, put, uh, you know, just, just go out on a limb and to say, come on, let me, let me see. Do they really, do they really want to know what it is to walk by faith? And as you do so, come on, could you begin to create a hunger and a desire to walk, uh, God, to walk with God? Well, is there somebody here today? Is there somebody here today who would take it upon yourself to, to raise up another generation? Are there young families here today, young parents who have children that you say, I'm going to do everything that I can to raise up a generation that loves God? Is there somebody here today who says, I have somebody that I'm going to invest myself in and I'm going to raise up another generation, a heritage of faith that's going to be passed on? One, can you imagine if each and every one of us in this place, if this is you, one, if you have that desire, if you would, would, would uh, do that today, if you would, would promise God, God, I will do everything that I can to invest in somebody, to raise up a generation that goes beyond me. Come on, if that's you today, could you just slip a hand up in the air? You can even make your way up to this altar right now. 
one. You can just say, Lord, God, I commit today, Lord, to, to putting myself out there, Lord, to, to investing in another generation, Lord, to passing on a heritage of faith. God, let me be as Jacobed was, who was intentional. Yes, come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, could he place a hunger and desire in you? Come on, there's got to be something in you that begins to see others as, as Moses' parents saw him. There's potential in you. Come on, there's potential in this one. There's potential in this one. Come on, can we see it with the eyes of the Lord of his parents? Can we see it with the eyes of Jacobed and Amram? As you're at the altar today, you with your hand lifted up. Come on, can God place a desire and a hunger in us? Lord, let me do everything that I can. Lord, to be intentional about raising them up with a hunger and a thirst for God let me do everything I can to pass on a heritage of faith